Hello, welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is the great writer of Tales from the Dead Astronaut, Jonathan Thompson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, it's, a, it's a good week to talk about comics. Um, I'm excited to talk about yours. Uh, I got it from you really quickly, and I read it as soon as I got it, and I'm, I'm, or I'm like, I want to we'll backtrack to uh, your origin of comics, but I just want to stop right here at the beginning saying, like, the storytelling in this book was so unexpected and so well done that uh, I'm just jazzed to know that you're probably going to do more of these, hopefully, or do something like this again. Thanks. Thanks. First of all, let me say every week is a great week to talk about comics. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Um, you know, really poured a lot of energy into this. It was a slow process building up to turn it into the anthology that it is, but I'm really satisfied with everything. And especially like once I got the first printed copies in my hand, it became so much more, it, it felt more real mm -hmm. than when I was looking at it, organizing on my computer or getting the pages in. You know, it's been a wonderful process going through this all. Yeah, as uh, someone who worked a bit on like collected editions of just short stories and stuff, getting that physical book in your hand and saying, oh, this was like six months to a year's worth of just me boiling down my process as much as I could mm -hmm. feels real nice as a creator. Yeah, it does. It does. The, the whole process of putting it together was... You know, like I said, when I first, uh, my artist is George Luis Caboto, which who did great work. And we, we have a real great um, rapport in when we talk about stories. He's working on a few things now for me that I can't wait to get back. And, you know, he really wows me every time. And when we, when we started the book, it was, uh, the, at the back of the book, there's the story Seek Repair, mm -hmm. which is like a little little extra. And that's actually the first story we did together. That was a kind of a short thing. I, I've been a writer for since I was probably five years old. So I've always done different areas, screenwriting, mm -hmm. short stories, that kind of stuff. But I always wanted to do comics, but you can't do comics without a great artist. Yeah. And you can't true. do comics without a great artist that you trust. So I put together a two page story, went on the hunt for an artist, found George. We really clicked. And then that just like kind of like spun the wheels and made me want to do more and more. And, you know, I gave him a five page story, which was another world. And then once that turned out great, I dug into my notebooks of all the stories that I've had that have been sitting on for years. And that's when I came up with the star and Prince of Steel, which are the eight page stories that really just, he just knocks them out of the park every time. And uh, what was what, what was your thought process of having basically the person telling everybody the stories? Uh, just a really rad looking dead astronaut. You know, uh, because once once we had once we had another world done, and I knew that I wanted to do like, what do you do with a four? I think a six page short story. What do you do mm -hmm. with it? You want to get it out to people. So I said, well, the best way to do it is come up with a couple more stories. And we'll put it together as an anthology. But I didn't want it to be just, you know, as you thumb through each story and it's all separate. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have, um, you know, Alan Moore talks about it in his book on writing about how it's like comics is a very like hypnotic medium. Yeah. And how your job as a writer is to keep the reader entranced. And that's something that I don't always find with books that I get off the shelf. 
So I wanted to have it that it was a book that you can sit there and really just flow into it. And even though it's an anthology to have a framework story that would lead you in and out and keep you compelled and keep you not just filler pages, but pages that really told the story in itself too. You know, you could take the dead astronaut pages Mm -hmm. and put them all in its own story and it's completely fluid. Um, We ended up at the dead astronaut because I was just like playing with science fiction tropes. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, you know, there's tales from the crypt. What about a tales from the dead astronaut and George drew the dead astronaut. And I was like, okay, this is, we have something here. And then we kind of did those page by page as opposed to a straight me just scripting the whole thing. And uh, that's, that was fun too. Cause it was more like, like jazz where you're mm-hmm. freestyling. And I say, Oh, what if there's some things crawling on his face? And George drew that on the first page. And I was like, okay, well let's explore that idea further. And it was fun. It was a blast. And, and to bounce off something you said about, especially with Alan Moore said, with there, there's a, a comic that can grab you. But we have so many books being published every week. And um, most of them, I think, are really good, but there's too many to read all of them. So they really abide for their time, just like TV entertainment does in general. Yeah. Um, I think that have the, the one book of Tales of the Astronaut fills out the world so vividly, even though, like, the characters are almost completely, like, like separated from their like their circles you're yeah. feeling out the entire universe that you're crafted in this one section and yeah. that in itself keeps you propelling into the next story and i think it's just really brilliant thank you thank you yeah i think there's a lot of forward momentum with it which is important um what you say you started writing like around the age of five is that when comics introduced to your life or were you like super oh young? yeah um, yeah you know, I I joke because when I was about five, kindergarten, one of my school projects was a, uh, my mom helped me make it. She's an extremely creative person, so she probably did more work than I did. Um, it, it was like a, almost like a, not a scratch and sniff book, but it was an interactive storybook. And my hero was super strong and he was on the hunt for the missing cookies so it's it started right away. Do you remember some of the first comics that like you were introduced to that world with? Um, any certain characters that stick out to you that you remember like being, oh, that was the first comic character I remember. You know, it's going to be Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, I think I grew up instantly knowing who Superman was. You know, Superman and Batman were big for me growing up. Uh, and the X-Men. I think, you know, in the 90s, we had the X-Men cartoon. So you would, mm-hmm. you know, you'd see X-Men, you'd see, you know, the Batman cartoon, the Batman movie. Then, you know, my dad obviously told me about Christopher Reeve. So I saw the Superman movies. And, you know, those were like my three core identities. And then Spider-Man, like mid-90s. And when you, when you, as you were growing older, how much of an influence the comic books have throughout the years? Because I know with some creators, they wane in through like the middle school, high school years, but then they come back in college and they come back with such a force in college because it's usually around college is where you discover all the indie books or the more uh, edgy sides of the, the big two. It's funny. I mean, it, I was very fortunate because my dad owned a bakery and in the town, in like the small main street, there was a comic book shop. Mm. And every everybody went there because everybody played like magic cards. 
So I was never good at magic, um, but I would like wander and look at the comic books there. So uh, then I started just going on my own because it was easy, you know, you're at the bakery, you can just go walk to the comic book shop and come back, you know, hopefully not spend too much money, but you probably were only given $10 in the first place. Um, but I would collect stuff then. And then I, I probably, I never really dropped off, but I wasn't like a collector. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really, I was reading stuff that looked fun to me. You know, I remember when Superman became electric, but I wasn't like, I tried to follow every story as best I could. Mm-hmm. And then in high school is actually when I got very deep in it, deep to the point where I put every comic on my pull list. Mm. So I would come away weeks, just, just stacks of comics that I would have bought. And uh, I think for a couple years in college, I dropped off and mostly graphic novels, but high school was a lot of vertigo stuff. A lot of like a hundred bullets. I was a steady diet of that, that kind of stuff. And then I dropped off for probably, 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 probably almost 10 years of buying monthly books. And then about a year and a half ago, I found a shop where me and my wife live now mm-hmm. that I really like. Oh yeah. Comics in New York. They're oh great. yeah. I never know that shop. Uh, they're, they're great. Um, Mark is a great guy. He always, if I come in with something that I'm like interested in, like, uh, you know, I'm saying I'm looking for something in this vein, he'll pitch a book to me and I'll turn out loving it. So that's always helpful. But, uh, you know, I would collect graphic novels. I would pick stuff up, you know, a lot of more exploration in those times, a lot of Grant Morrison. Um, I found Mobius. So that's kind of where that mid period went. But now it's getting back into it. It's monthly books, but it's also a lot of more independent stuff and a lot of image stuff. So that's fun. The different side of things. Uh, and my, my question following up that then is, were there any books, because um, I have certain books personally that I will always lend out to people, like I'll buy extra copies and give to people, but I have books that will just always travel with me. Like one of them is definitely going to be Ultimate Spider-Man in general, like that oh, series that, is just going to follow me. That was a big life. one. Yeah. yeah, that was a big one. for. That was probably the, the book that got me into collecting books mm-hmm. in high school. You know, it's funny enough, my family went to Disneyland and Disneyland, not Disneyland, Universal. They had like a comic book shop in mm. their like superhero section. And then that's where I got my first Ultimate Spider-Man trade. And then I just continued to collect those. So that's top marks there. But for me, uh, it's The Invisibles by Grant Morrison, which I'm, I'm looking at my hardcover collection now. Um, Watchmen goes everywhere with me and 100 bullets those those are the top three and do you think that there those three works in particular influence uh tales of the dead astronaut or just any of your works in general in any way oh yeah completely i mean grant morrison and probably kurt vonnegut are the two biggest influences i think when it comes to stuff like this side of me in tales Mm -hmm. of the dead astronaut like the kind of you know the the humor mixed with the cynical side of things Mm. so that's definitely where that comes from um but then i also have another side of me that's very much into like crime fiction and detective stories and that's definitely the 
Brian Azzarello, 100 Bullets Influence side. Um, and when I was reading that, uh, Tales from Dead Astronaut, the last story, um, let me see, the uh, Princes of Steel. Prince of Steel, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I got, I was like, this feels like this could have been made by Frank Miller. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if it's... It, it, uh, That's good. Frank Miller is a huge influence. So. Yeah, I was about to ask, was, was that story in particular just influenced by the Dark Knight Returns? Because it feels like a Dark Knight Returns story in a lot of ways. That's funny. No, it, you know, that was probably the, the story that sat in my, in my um, notebook the longest, like probably going back three or four years now. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was just inspired by like War Machine mm. and the concept of War Machine. Yeah. Not as much Iron Man, but more War Machine. And then it just kind of felt like the natural way to tell that story. A lot of, lot of brutality and anger in that one. Especially now War Machine is such a fascinating character to have in anything because mm-hmm. he like the, not, not the character itself, but the armor set in general is just such exactly. a, a violent armor. Yeah, that's that's more than Rhodey himself, mm-hmm. the the inspiration there. Uh, and talking about the writing of the the whole book in general, though, what what was the the process with these original stories? I know you uh, said earlier that some of them you were pulling out from just up your pile of stories you haven't used yet. So, do you remember the process of writing most of these still, or um, yeah, kind of like yeah. where your mindset was when you were writing a lot of them? I knew that. You know, I want to I want to write comics. So, the first thing I knew I had to do was create a diversity in what I was putting together, and not have every story be the same. So that if this was to be a portfolio piece, it would act properly as one. So, I, so the first story, Another World, I did completely narration based. So that was the target there, and then with the star, that's all dialogue. And then Prince of Steel, that's a mix of both. So I, I, I had a construction going in, what I was going to do with each. I'm very meticulous when it comes to construction, especially like the page turn. Um, so that was, I knew what I was doing, but also freeing myself to have more fun with it, mm-hmm. which is another side of just the comic medium in general that you don't get with others. Um, especially because you can see the pages as they come in, and if you want to make tweaks, it's very easy to make tweaks and adjust things as you go along. You know, no dialogue is written in stone until it's printed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the star is in the middle of the book, and it's probably my favorite out of all the stories. Yeah, just it's my it's my favorite too. So I am not judging you. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's such a well uh, well developed like ploy. Because when I was I was reading it, and as uh, it was getting more and more aggressive, and as uh, the the character was shifting, I'm like, what what was what's about to happen here? And then when the, you you pull the rug out from everybody at the end, there and yeah. kind of sideline people with a moral in some ways, it's yeah. uh, it it's just a really well paced story in my opinion. Thank you. It's pacing is so important in everything that I write. Um, the the star is like my obsession with Lou Reed and the Rolling Stones mm. combined with um, I had recently read Keith Richards biography and then I wanted to do something that you could only do in comics 
which was have a shape-shifting alien mm-hmm. who as you switch back and forth between the panel you, he changes a little more and uh, with the panels create an aggressive nature to the questioning and it all just it really came together beautifully it's it was my favorite story to write and my favorite story that came in and then it's my favorite story in the book so with the the collaboration process um but between you and um my, my, i'm bad with names all the time george but, uh, yeah with george um that you said it, it clicked right away and you and i'm assuming you guys had a really nice open dialogue how how was it when you got the pages in seeing your story being told in that way did it show up the way you visualized like every time or were there things you were blown away by him you know it's funny because it's been quite the process for me as a writer you know i I'm I'm a writer director in films, so I'm used to controlling everything, and I'm used to like just just everything I know I want. That's what I'm going to see on the other side. Mm-hmm. But when it came to comics, that was the first thing I had to let go of. I I wasn't going to you know lay out every page. I wasn't even the pages were going to come. I could make suggestions how I wanted them to be. But ultimately, it's the artist that has to take control and do it how they see fit. As long as the story pieces are moving, that's all that matters. And the first ex- real experience with that was with Another World. And I got those first pages and I was like, okay, not exactly what I was thinking. But then when I let myself go to the process, that's when it really allowed me to like be blown away by it. And that's why by the time we get to the star, which was number two, I'm just like, do whatever you think is best. Just communicate the story in the right way. And I know I'm going to be blown away. And I get to be the first reader of every story, Mm -hmm. which is fun also, because I can at least divorce myself from the text on a page that now has become beautiful images. It's very fun. Yeah, and knowing that you have more uh, stories in the process of being made, I, I, like that has to be an exciting feeling. Knowing that, like by the time uh, you get those pages in, like this has been gestate, like gestating in you for like the longest time, and now you get to see a visual representation of it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I know we just, um, I just sent him a story, probably earlier this week, that we're we're going to submit to an anthology, but ultimately, if it doesn't get picked up, it's going in the next issue of Tales from the Dead Astronaut if we get there. But it, you know, I wrote the script and I wasn't as, I didn't sit there and hammer into every detail like I would have in the past because I know I can write one simple thing that he's going to be able to illustrate beautifully. So I'm just excited to get that story back now. With uh, with the, the way you write now, do you think you, you're, like, I know you had the influences of Frank Miller and Grant Morrison and Brian Azzarello. But do you think that you have newer influences now with more of the independent books you're reading at this moment? Um, a little bit, probably. You know, I like, uh, it's not a newer influence because I read the whole Captain America run, but I've just been devouring everything that Brewbreaker has done with Sean Phillips. Mm-hmm. And, and that's definitely influenced me in a bit. You know, I'm working on a crime story right now that I could see having been influenced a little bit like more so in that direction than the Azarello way which mm-hmm. i probably came from to begin with um i think some of the bigger ideas that i see going on in comics 
Like I, I really enjoy what Jonathan Hickman has done with the X-Men, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of opened up in a new way. And I think that's helped me look at things in a different way and coming from a writing standpoint now when I read comics is interesting. It also makes me judge every book I pick up even harder. Um, but the, yeah, there's probably some newer influences that are going to be seeping in very soon. And, and that, the idea of like uh, Hickman doing X-Men and uh, Brubaker going from Cap to being more focused in the noir stuff, even like Pulp kind of now twisting the way Brubaker's genre is. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you feel about exploring different genres yourself? Like, are there ones that you're still unfamiliar with that you want to learn more of, or or not learn more of, but like explore more of as a creative? Yeah, I think there definitely is. I mean, uh, this book was a sci-fi book, and I knew that the next thing I wanted to do was going to be a crime story, mm-hmm. which was fun to just like completely switch gears because there's no like you're, there's no joking mocking nature to things when you're dealing with that kind of story. But yeah, there's there's definitely areas that I want to explore and just challenge myself as a writer. Um, you know, the different kinds of versions of a science fiction story, like a science fiction adventure, um, maybe something not necessarily in the fantasy realm, but something more in a grounded kind of almost Game of Thrones style way would be fun. Uh, you know, comics offer limitless possibilities. I also want to explore horror Mm-hmm. so there's 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 all those different genres and i think they all add something different and they challenge you differently as a creator but still retain the core essence of what you're trying to do and that's definitely something that interests me and i, and I think the really nice thing about again the i'm gonna keep praising the book because there's this that we're talking about the, this book right now <laughs> thanks but um <laughs> The really cool thing about Tales of the Dead Astronaut is each story kind of dabbles in a subgenre in a lot of ways. Especially yeah. the intro with the Dead Astronaut is very horror-esque. Mm-hmm. And then how um, the uh, Another World Ends dabbles back into the horror. And I yeah. think um, uh, I have to remember again names. The star in some ways is an interesting kind of noir because there is a mystery going on and your main character yeah. is like not understanding what's going on all at once but he's piecing together clues as you're reading it mm-hmm. but the, and then you get to the prince of steel which becomes a really nice political commentary of like an extreme version of what we're dealing with today yeah yeah i am i think that's the beauty of science fiction though mm-hmm. is that you can address like multiple things in the guise of shape-shifting alien rock stars or you know monks floating through space in a living tree you know i think that's the fun part of it because it can be anything and uh now moving over to some questions and answers from uh yeah people that sent in some questions uh other than the funding and marketing of independent books what is the hardest aspect uh like that you found out when you went to go self-publish um, the hardest part is getting it to people's hands and mm-hmm. letting people know who we are. Is there is there so much out there? Um, one one thing I find, you know, you can. I, I didn't. I, I self funded the book. I, I put everything together myself, and I I didn't kickstart it or anything. So to buy the book, you just go right to my website, which I'm going to plug right now is spacestationz.com, and then you just I think it's like two clicks, and the book is in your cart, and then you can buy it. But I, I do see 
there are other areas like I think Kickstarter makes it very easy for people to buy independent books mm -hmm. because it is much more of a like a one click thing and you feel like you're participating in this ticking clock that's going down. Mm -hmm. um, I, I might explore something like that for a future book that's already done and just kind of use it as a pre-order model, which kind of defeats the purpose. But I also think that a book should be done before people are kickstarting it. Not, you know, this book will be available in 2022 when it's finally done. Yeah. You know, it should be able to or at least ship the, like the first issue should be done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, most thing, most of the things out there are just fun the first issue mm -hmm. and then we'll be back for three more rounds for the next couple. But I, you know, I think books should be like ready to go. So that's why when I was ready to launch, I didn't even announce a launch date until the books were at my house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, buy them now. Which it's, you know, that's the toughest thing. I, I explored getting into stores, but it became not, it wasn't cost effective mm -hmm. to do that. And I would rather just sell to a direct audience because that's who I'm trying to build a relationship with to begin with. So that's, that's the hardest part is getting people to know where to buy it and how to buy it and how to get it in their hands. And as a creator that loves comics in general, do you see yourself like trying your hand at established characters if you had the chance? Or would you rather just stay in your own universe for as long as you want? Oh, I would love it. I would love it. I, I have a saber tooth story that I would love to find the right person to pitch it to. Um, but you know, there's definitely an appeal to deal with heroes and characters that have been around for a long time that I would love to explore. I'd love to write a James Bond comic. I know they do those now. So there's definitely things out there that I would do. But the creator-owned stuff, there's a there's more power to it. Mm -hmm. There's more freedom to it, and you're really designing a story on your own, as opposed to you know fitting in parameters that are also dictated by giant corporations. And the nice thing is, if you start with yourself as a creator-owned or independent all those stories you want to write with other characters for the most part can just be made into independent books. That's true. Just change them a little bit. I, I've seen a few independent books. I'm like, Oh, I know you probably pitched this to someone. Didn't you? And they yeah. said no. Yeah. Um, and the last question is, is there any like key piece of advice that you have for like new writers in the independent scene? Like I know you talked about how you had to learn to let your visualization of what the comic is go and see what the artist gives back to you. But is there anything else that you think was really key that you learned? You know, I think there's a summation in that, just letting yourself go. Mm -hmm. Because I know for a long time I've wanted to do comics. And I was always like, oh, I need to find the perfect artist that's going to do the perfect work. And always judging everything didn't get me anywhere. But I also think that was part of my own internal resistance to not go forward and do things because it's too like it's it's very easy to sit there and say, oh, well, I want to do this. But then when you actually do it, it becomes a very different thing, you know, putting it out there. You know, if you have any sort of like fear of how it's going to be received, any sort of like hesitation to do things, they they just come to light when you're actually making something. But you just have to let yourself go. You know, I I when I finally made the pulled the plug to do a book it was the most rewarding experience i've had to date and i just anybody out there that wants to do it should just do it you know start with something small is always what i say you know 
it can be expensive to pay a page rate, especially out of pocket. But if you can afford six pages and you're writing a six page story, which is what I did, first of all, you know every dollar that you're putting into is on every page. So you're not gonna waste a page and it's gonna force you to become a better writer right there. And just by going ahead and doing it, you'll get that satisfaction, you'll scratch that itch and then you'll be, you know, if the first hit is free, you're going to be doing them nonstop. You know, I can't stop thinking about what I could do next. And I think that's a really great feeling is like, once you finally do it the first time, um, just getting published in general in any aspect, I feel like it just makes you go, okay, I want to do this again. I want to get this book out there. I want to yeah. get the story out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a blast. You know, like I said, the whole process of going through things from getting those first pages to like hunting down the right printer that I wanted to use. You know, I was very specific on how I wanted the book to feel and look and went through a bunch of different printer options until I ended up where I did. And when I got that first batch, like when I got the first box of books and opened it up and saw the book as it was, I felt so happy and so creatively satisfied, but also I was that day ready to do more. And last personal question for myself, because I'm just, I'm morbidly curious about some of this stuff is, yeah. uh, you said you're growing up, you're some of your favorite characters were uh, Superman, Batman, and the X-Men. What are your personal favorite stories of those th- uh, th- three characters slash groups? Okay. Well, and, and like, what's the reason behind why you think these are the best or your favorite? Well, I think with Superman, it's 100% all-star Superman. I think is the perfect like distillation of who Superman is as a character, which people just have a very hard time with for some reason. Um, I think that there was a, there was an early run that Jeff Johns did with Richard Donner. That was probably early two thousands. That that was very good start, but I think they just were never going to finish that properly. So that didn't happen. Um, But, but all-star Superman for sure there. Um, with Batman, Batman's a tough one. Um, you know, I think, I think No Man's Land was my big personal introduction to him and just that whole idea of things. But as far as great stories, you know, Arkham Asylum is great. Hush was a great time when you read it week, month by month, Mm -hmm. fun with all those twists and turns. Uh, obviously like the Dark Knight is the top of the top you know the dark knight returns is just a seminal piece of work and when i found out how young frank miller was when he made it that frightened me to my soul but uh probably there and then x-men i feel that they have not been they were great when grant morrison did them you can see my bias and then very lukewarm for a long time but the stuff they're doing now since powers of 10 and House of X have been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I, like I, I, I always was fascinated by the X Men, but they're so hard to jump into anywhere. Um, yeah. And when House of Ten, uh, sorry, House of X and Powers of Ten started, I'm like, okay, this is a line reboot. I like Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy every book, and so far I've bought every single one of those books, and it's a very, very expensive habit to buy every single one of those. Yeah. I've, I've bought, I've bought most of them. I've dropped a few that I feel weren't, weren't up to the task. But like, you know, I don't really buy Marvel books, but mm-hmm. I buy all like all the X Men books. 
Yeah. I, I will say I agree that X-Men is very hard to jump into. And I, I jumped into it when they relaunched Uncanny, like the six months before they relaunched everything a second time with House of X. And that was devastatingly bad. Yeah. So that was, I was like, they're doing this to me again. They're going to weekly me for two months again with a new, with a new number one, but fortunately it paid off in a big way. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what, uh, uh, X of swords is going to be yours. Oh swords. yeah. Yeah. That's where I, some of the books that have been dropped from my pull list, I had to tell my guy, I was like, all right, you got to put everything back on now. I need every part that got me, but you know, House of X and Powers of Ten, when that was coming out weekly, mm. that was exciting. It's very like, exciting. That's that's that is something that, again, only like comics and TV shows can do it too. But TV shows have a limit because they only have, you know, ten to twelve episodes a season. But when they were doing those, those week by week issues, and you were just so excited to see like what the heck is going to happen next, what twist is coming. And that was the, like, I rushed to the store every Wednesday. And that's the kind of feeling that I love when I'm reading a book like that. Yeah. And like nice, the nice thing about having the universe so overseen by one person in some way is all those books are coming out. Like you were going to get one to two X, two to three X-Men books, honestly, uh, every week. Mm -hmm. if you pick up your books yeah. weekly and they all, they all are so similar in the world that they're in that you feel like you're watching like, okay, here's my, CSI New York and here's my CSI Miami like it's the same premise but just a different team in a different area it's funny it feels like its own separate line yeah like it doesn't feel like it's going on with everything else in the grander Marvel universe so to say I don't pick up any other regular Marvel book like I'm it's just X-Men that's what I see when I come in mm -hmm. Um, well, John, thank you for talking with me about your book and just about comics in general. Uh, can yeah, you uh, plug your social media and the website one more time? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am Space Station Zed. On Twitter, I am Commander of Zed, C-M-D-R of Zed. And then you can go buy my book, Tales from the Dead Astronaut, over at spacestationz.com. It is $4 plus shipping, which tends to be about $2 U.S., so, uh, you know, you buy it today, it's shipping tomorrow. Yeah, I got my book, like, within a week, so it was super fast. Yeah, yeah. It's so much fun, like, when those orders come in and seeing, like, oh, I got a stack of books I got to send out. You know, it's a very fun process. My wife gets very excited. She cares care less about comics. She knows that I have too many of them, but there is a thrill every time an order comes in and bagging those together and mm -hmm. shipping them out. And uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Comics Matter Pod, Facebook at Comics uh, Matter Podcast, or Facebook.com slash Comics Matter Podcast. You can uh, email me at Comics Matter Podcast at gmail.com. And in any of those social medias, you can ask me questions about the show, ask questions for future guests, uh, stories you want read on air, or if you want to be a guest, you can talk to me about that through all those uh, social media and email. And please uh, leave a review and tell a friend if you like the show. The logo for the show is done by my friend Steven, and the theme is Join the Restaurant by David Zizetzi, and I found it on freemusicarchive.com. And lastly, everybody, just be good to each other. <laughs>